Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. It is Sunday, July 31st, 2022. Remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now let's talk about a fight that was a loss for me. Did not turn out the way I thought it would. Let's talk about my expectations. Let's talk about the fight. It was the matchup between Ali Demirizin, right, former Turkish Olympian, and Adam Konachki. That took place at Barclays Center, Konachki's backyard. Right now, understand going into this fight, I thought Konachki, who was an underdog, was going to win this fight. I thought he had a bunch of things going for him, right? First off, the fight was a little bit more urgent for him. He was coming off two consecutive losses, right? Both by stoppage. Also, the two losses were to the same guy, right? I thought Konatsky just had more energy than Ali Demerizin, and that in a 10-round fight, it wasn't a 12-round fight. In a 10-round fight, Konatsky, who was a very fast starter, would get off to a fast start and would just overwhelm Demirizin with volume. Right? I thought Demirizin was going to have just problems adjusting to Konatsky. I thought one of the things that hurt Konatsky before was the fact that he faced 6-7 Robert Hellenius, Hellenius leverages his height with a jab, right? He has the big right hand behind the jab, and that right hand is sudden one-punch power, right? On a scale of 1 to 10, if we were to place, let's say, Deontay Wilder at the 10 spot in terms of the suddenness and power of his straight right hand, you know, Hellenius is up around 8-9 himself, right? That right hand is the kind of thing that changes everything, right? Changes life, as I like to say. Now, Konatsky picked Hellenius, of course, because Hellenius had been knocked out by a fighter named Gerald Washington, who Konatsky himself had knocked out. Right, stopped him. So I'm sure when Konatsky went in against Hellenius, he was a little bit surprised at the length, at the height, at the fact that he had a hard time getting to Hellenius, and that Hellenius still had that right hand free to hurt him. So in this fight, he takes on a shorter guy, a guy roughly his size, who doesn't have the sudden one-punch power. Now, here's where I'm going to break from the announcing crew. With all due respect to Al Bernstein and uh, Morrow, um, I do believe, as I said in the pre-fight video, that Demir Rizin has a punch. It's just a different type of power. In other words, his power is not the kind that like Deontay Wilder's, hits you and finishes you, 
right? You get hit with the shot, you're on the canvas. You get off the canvas, you're confused as to what's just happened. Damarison doesn't have that kind of power, but he has power, right? He's a guy who throws more in the 6-7 range, but you're getting battered. Now, Damarison fought Gerald Washington, right? Keep in mind, too, Washington was a victim against Deontay Wilder of Wilder's power, right? Washington was winning that fight, in my opinion, then gets stopped. Well, when Demarazin fought Washington, Washington curiously looked sluggish. And when you see that, after a few rounds, suddenly the opponent looks sluggish. You have to ask yourself, what's the cause of the sluggishness? Is it the opponent having an off night? Or is it this guy's power slowing down the opponent? The opponent knows, hey, if I slip up here, I'm going to get hit with an above-average shot. Now, contrary to the guys on Showtime, I believe Demarazin hits hard. It's just not the kind of sudden one-punch power you see with Hellenius or Wilder. Rather, it's the kind of power that slows down an opponent, makes the opponent look sluggish, throws the opponent off their game, lets the opponent know that they weren't expecting this level of power, tires out the opponent. So, let's get to this fight. Again, I was supporting Konotsky. I was hoping to hit big on the fight, I also had the under eight and a half rounds. I thought, this fight's going to be intense. Somebody is going to be stopped. Well, first two rounds, I couldn't have been happier. Konotsky comes out high volume. He's throwing a lot of power shots. Demirazin is unprepared for it, right? Doesn't look fully prepared for it. Finds himself on his back foot, tries to trade, but can't match Konotsky in volume. Konotsky also is doing things to help himself later. So you notice he's throwing a left hand to the body that goes unblocked. It's there for him. Right? Konotsky's the one coming forward. He tilts Demirazin onto his back foot. The first round is convincingly a Konotsky round. He looks like he's back. He even takes some shots, right? For a guy coming off two knockout losses, that was important. You realized, okay, well, Konotsky still has a bit of a chin on him, right? After all, this is a guy who went 12 rounds with Chris Ariola, right? This is a guy who fought Charles Martin. Well, then you get to the second round. Now, Konotsky still has the upper hand, at least on my scorecard. But you notice Demirazin, who's a quick study, has upped his volume. You notice the fight that had been a bit one-way is now two-way. You notice that there's a little bit of a struggle over who exactly is going to be able to be front foot. Right? Both guys are aggressive, trying to hold their ground. 
Now, I gave the second round to Konotsky as well, keeping in mind as well that the crowd was into him. They're chanting his name. Right? He's the hometown fighter. Now, in a 10-round fight, given that Konotsky, in my opinion, wins the first two rounds, right, during the telecast, um, Bernstein at one point says, hey, Konotsky probably has a 40-punch advantage after the first two rounds. Right, folks, that's huge, particularly for a heavyweight fight. Just doing the math, if Konotsky's up two rounds to none, all he has to do is win three more rounds to get a draw. If he splits the other eight rounds, right, doesn't have to have the upper hand, just can't have the lower hand. If he splits the eight rounds, he has the win. 6-4. Well, in the biggest surprise of the night for me, right? And the night had another fight, Danny Garcia, Jose Benavides Jr. But in the biggest surprise of the night, in the third round, Demarazin recalibrates. Demarazin, who going into this fight I thought was low energy, is high energy. He starts matching Konotsky. He is the one who's able to establish a front foot. Now, keep in mind, it's important because neither of these guys has a great back foot. Konotsky is an offensive juggernaut on his front foot. He's a different person on his back foot. Right? This is high-level boxing. Very few guys on their back feet are able to mount an offense. Right? Konotsky on his back foot, just not the same fighter. Right? Understand, too, that Konotsky just doesn't have the type of skill set that allows him to regulate the pace. In other words, he's up two rounds to none. He's not the kind of guy who can then say, okay, let me stick and move this round. Let me dance. Let me take the volume out of the round. Let me try to flurry in the last 30 seconds of a round, right, to try to steal it on the judges' scorecards. I need a breather. It's a 10-round fight. I've just thrown a bevy of punches the first two rounds, right? You realize in the third round that Konotsky has no control over the pace of the fight. So this fight descends into an old-fashioned shootout. Now, let me just say, there's a phrase I used to use, perhaps too much, in these videos, where I would refer to a fighter as adaptive, reactive. Right? This is the guy who, during the fight, is learning things and is able to adjust his strategy. Right? He's not waiting for the corner to tell him what to do. 
He's not a soldier. Rather, he's the field general. Now, you see, during the fight, Demirazin figure out that he can throw a left uppercut. Now, that's one of the secrets to Demirazin. He's extremely two-handed. Right? So even though he's fighting out of an orthodox stance, the guy can throw a uppercut with his offhand. So you see him, Kanatsky's coming into the pocket. Demarison knows where he's going to be, as every opponent does. But this is the guy who, in the face of heavy volume, figures out that Kanatsky is vulnerable to uppercuts. So he starts throwing a left uppercut, and then he makes a further adjustment. He realizes that when he throws the left uppercut, Kanatsky is also open for the follow-up right hook. Right, folks? It's stunning. It's stunning. Because Kanatsky keeps doing the same thing. He keeps getting hit with the uppercut and... He's just not defensively blessed where he can feel the punches coming. So he keeps getting hit with the uppercut, and then he keeps getting hit with the right hook from Demarison. Let me tell you one of the problems in the fight, too, for Kanatsky. Right? Kanatsky never figures out how to put an arm bar to stop the uppercut. But more importantly... He's clueless on how to roll away from Demirazin's right hook up top. Utterly clueless. So, the fight becomes a shootout. And the guy who's shooting the more accurate, more thought-out bullets is Demirazin. After the first two rounds, Demirazin takes over the fight. Right? Kanatsky, you know, that uppercut lands for pretty much the rest of the fight. It's a bit of a shocker. Kanatsky's going to have to ask himself after he looks at the film why he didn't make the adjustments. Also, Kanatsky seems surprised by the shootout. Right? He must have looked at the same videos I looked at, right? He, you know, here he is pushing a fast tempo the first two rounds, and now suddenly he's in in the third round, and his opponent is actually pushing back. Right? It's as if they get in the fast lane on the highway, and the opponent says, okay, keep your foot on the gas. Let's go. Right? I'm here on the fly figuring out I can land an uppercut on you. I'm here on the fly actually adding to it. Right, Marrying a right hook to the uppercut. Right? So then it gets interesting. It's Kanatsky whose stamina fails him. There's a segment in this fight that's stunning. 
they show Damarizen's corner. Now, Damarizen himself looks winded. He goes back over to his corner. His cornerman then looks at him and says, he's getting tired. Right? Not, hey, player, how are you holding up? No, 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 no. It's as if Demarison's corner expected Kanatsky, who's one of the most high-volume heavyweights in all of boxing, to wilt. Right In that moment, I thought, whoa, I mean, aren't they worried about their fighter wilting? No, because Demarison keeps this going in round three, round four, round five. Folks, he keeps it going the rest of the fight. Also, Kanatsky, you know, that left hand to Demarison's body was always open. He also was throwing jabs to Demarison's body. You get to the third, the fourth, the fifth round, he abandons that. Right? The shootout fighter, the guy who's in shootouts with Chris Ariola, Arthur Spielka, the guy who is accustomed to this pace, is the one who starts forgetting to do the things that are actually working for him. Right, so the judges got this right. Right, by the 10th round, it really became a question of, is Kanatsky going to get a stoppage to avoid losing the fight? Let's go one step further. It was desperate for him in the ninth round. And incredibly, and it was a shocker, Kanatsky is very low volume in the ninth round. He is so tired, folks. He's so sluggish because he's been getting hit with heavy punches. Right? Six, seven on a scale of one to ten variety. Not the Deontay Wilder punch that causes knockdowns but rather the steady diet of heavy punches that softens up an opponent. So on the Showtime telecast, they actually talk about the fact that the last place Kanatsky's corner wanted him to be was up against the ropes. Kanatsky, a front foot heavy fighter, has been broken to the point where he's backed up to the ropes and is covering up in the ninth round. Right, so let me just say, this was a dominant performance by Ali Demarizin. Right, let me point out that I don't believe Kanatsky's career is over. I believe Derek Chisora lost three fights in a row. Uh, just understand that Kanatsky has a very fan-favorite, uh, fan-friendly style. Right, he clearly has a lot of fans in the tri-state area, right? Barclays, for example. I'm sure if the fight were at Madison Square Garden or in Newark, he would draw a crowd. 
I'm sure there are going to be some up-and-coming heavyweights who we want to see in against a guy who's going to throw as many punches in the first two rounds as Kanachki did here, right? I'm sure there's some managers of some young heavyweights who are thinking, gee, this guy faded so badly in this fight, right? He's up two rounds to none, and then, of course, he goes on to lose by decision in a 10-round fight. Right, that they're going to think, hey, my young lion, if he's just prepared to take over the second half of the fight, if he's prepared to tilt this guy onto his back foot, my young lion should be able to get a win over a guy who beat Charles Martin, who did hold the heavyweight title at one time. Right, so I believe Kanatsky's still commercially viable. He is in his 30s, he does have kids. You heard him in the post-fight interview talk about how he's going to have to talk with his wife. You know, maybe he's at the point in his career where he doesn't want to get hit in the head, right? Where, and every fighter has a secret, those chronic injuries, right? You know, hands that hurt after fights, uh, that elbow injury, right? Might lead him to decide, hey, that's it for me. Right, but he's still commercially viable. But just to understand, here he got beaten at his own game. Demarizin didn't force Kanatsky to fight his fight. No, Demarizin, after losing the first two rounds, continued to fight Kanatsky's fight. Continued to be in the pocket. Invited the trading just was clever about it, right? Mixing in uppercuts, uh, throwing hooks, you know, uh, making sure he was the person on the front foot, right? Finishing round strongly. And Kanatsky, with an opponent willing to trade, could not match the intensity. It's a shocker, folks. I thought he was going to be the trailblazer in this fight, the high-intensity person in this fight. Instead, he got battered over the last eight rounds. Right? He had some moments, but I will say the ninth round was very revealing because I thought he was already losing the fight by the ninth round. I thought this was blood and guts time. This was where you say, okay, look, I have got to win these last two rounds, right? So that I, you know, am daring the judges in front of my hometown fans to take this from me, right? And he could not rise to the occasion in that ninth round, right? He's over by the ropes. He throws less than 70 punches in the round. Um, Demarizin was the one, by that point, throwing more volume, being more energetic. Shocker for me, I'll take the loss. Uh, Kanatsky, after the fight, said that he felt rusty. I got the feeling there was some dysfunction with his corner, right? Uh, at the end of one round, he dropped his hands and got hit with some shots, uh, let's just say the corner was very upset with him 
And uh, then, of course, you know, despite the urgency in the corner, Konachki goes out and lays an egg in the ninth round, right? Deliberately. Looks like he's made a decision to go over by the ropes. Seems to have been mentally broken. That's how I saw it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this video. Let me just point out that the Marizan is interesting. Because, um, you know, you look at his tapes and opposing fighters look sluggish. Right here, Kanatsky starts to fight at 100%. By the fourth round, he looks sluggish. That tells me that there's a lot of sting on Demirazin's punches, whether or not the other guy gets knocked down. Right? Let me also point out, too, that Demirazin's one loss is to Effie Akjaba. In other words, uh, Demirazin doesn't have the fastest foot speed. Right? Truth be told, he doesn't have the fastest hand speed either. You get the feeling a tall guy with a good jab who can keep him outside can outpoint him in a slower pace fight. Right? But understand, in the heavyweight division, just in terms of handicapping future fights, there are a lot of guys 6'3 and under who view themselves as warriors who aren't going to try to keep you outside with a jab. So I think Demarazin is going to be someone who's going to shake up the order at heavyweight, right? He wants to fight in the United States more, right? You have exciting action-packed fighters like Derek Chisora out there who, you know, don't have that great jab to keep you outside, who want to trade with you. And it's clear from this fight that trading with Demarazin, allowing a pocket to form, Having a shootout is perilous because this guy's adaptive, reactive. He's extremely two-handed. He hurt Konachki at times with his left hand, throwing hooks, right? A guy like this who's making adjustments and who can do so with power and with consistency, right? Once he gets going in the third round, folks, he's going the rest of the fight, A guy like this is going to be troublesome, especially for some of the young talent at heavyweight. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this video. Thanks for stopping by.